Welcome to Money Vision U. In this podcast, we are passionate about teaching the financial class you should have had in high school so you can learn how to fast track your financial freedom. If you want to learn how to make, manage, and multiply your money and see opportunities the way the wealthy do, then you came to the right place. I'm your host, Stuart Berryhill. Money Vision U, class in session. Welcome to this episode of Money Vision U. Today we've got Chris Hanna in the lab today, and I'm excited for this one. It's going to be a good one. But Chris, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Stuart. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we, for the listeners, me and Chris, we did a little intro call, you know, before the podcast. Not and his story was just so good. I was like, okay, hold on, <laughs> save some of the story for the podcast, just because. I want I want to hear it live right there because it, Chris just has such an interesting story and background on uh, just what he's done. So, Chris, I'll let you go into that. Give us a little background on who you are uh, and you know what got you thinking about uh, thinking the way you do about money and so on, things like that. Sure. Yeah. So, I uh, really my story begins uh, right out of college. So I had the opportunity to take a job on Wall Street or go play blackjack, and I decided that I wanted to go play blackjack. And life has really been interesting ever since then. So uh, let, leading up to that, I just really didn't enjoy school. And so once I had the opportunity to go out a bit of a different path, uh, I, w- I went right for it. You know, blackjack was a way to, <laughs> it was an unconventional way to make money. I had seen this movie 21. It's very loosely based on the MIT blackjack team from back in the 80s. And I'd seen that movie back in middle school or high school. And that was a seed that had been planted for the next, I don't know, eight years and 10 years, however long until I was about to graduate college. So uh, yeah, when that when that day came, I had already been practicing counting cards and all the skills that you need to be a professional blackjack player for about six months prior to graduation. You know, I went on that path, did that for a while uh, until, uh, until I couldn't anymore, picked up a bunch of different gig jobs and uh, uh, worked with a financial literacy startup in the DC, Maryland, and Virginia region, the DMV. And now I am a financial coach. I help UFC fighters and entrepreneurs manage their money to gain peace of mind, spend more time doing what they love, and build wealth with confidence. Okay. So let's talk about blackjack for a second, because that's interesting. I've never met anyone who, uh, I guess, so you're like good advertising that you counted cards. <laughs> that's kind of what yeah. you do for a living. That's, that's, that's right. Yeah. At all. <laughs> uh, no, it's not. Um, although I did see this documentary recently where they were explaining how certain um, reservations or certain casinos, apparently, like I've heard this before that they are like sovereign land. And, and so they can actually do things that Okay. You know, somewhere in Vegas can't do. So as far as I know, and all of my experience, no, it's not dangerous. But uh, yeah, it, it, uh, there's, there's a pretty straightforward way to count cards and make money doing it. I'm happy to dive into the, the nuances yeah. of it. I, I love talking about it. So I don't know how deep we'll get into that, but I mean, it's basically statistics and you're just taking it. And I guess the casino, I mean, you can't fault the guy for just knowing the statistics. I mean, that's what people do when they play poker. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. You know, it outsmarts the system. It just yep. and, and re- try to get lucky. 
Yeah. And really what it is, is you're turning the edge into your favor. So there is a house edge that the casino has on every single game in the casino. So for example, roulette on every spin, they have a little over a 5% house edge, which means sort of over the long run, they're going to make about 5% of all the money that's wagered on every spin of that wheel. Every single game in the casino has an edge like that. With blackjack, if you play perfect basic strategy, the edge is just half a percent. So it's actually way better than roulette, something like 10 times better than roulette. Um, And so when you count cards, the edge actually fluctuates throughout gameplay based on the proportion of high and low cards in the deck. So the half a percent is averaged out, but really if you know the edge at any given time throughout the game and you can play to that edge and bet higher when you have that edge, that's how you can make money playing. Interesting. Very cool. Yeah. So it's something I'll probably never try and do because I don't, I mean, I know there's a lot of thinking and I've seen the movie 21 and it's just like, Mm. I don't know if my brain can work that fast. (laughs) I mean, I'm not like terrible at math. I I get the idea, but I mean, you're constantly processing where, where, where'd you go? Uh, So, and you said you traveled the world doing this, right? Uh, The country. So the country. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Where I'm, I, I'm still on the East Coast, uh, just about an hour north of D.C. in Frederick, Maryland. Uh, but yeah, I went to school in D.C. and my buddy was was from the area as well. So we had a sort of a home base uh, from D.C. to Connecticut. That's where my parents were from. And we kind of just hit casinos all through uh, all on that on the East Coast through that region from you know D.C., Maryland, uh, Delaware, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, uh, Jersey. I don't know if we've been to Jersey, actually, but. Uh, Atlantic City, New Jersey. Yeah. Anyway, and and so that was kind of the East Coast. And then out in Vegas, there's nothing like playing blackjack out in Vegas because you can hop from one casino to the next to the next. Um, And that's really important when you're counting cards because you actually can't stay at any one casino for very long just uh, to maintain your cover. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's wild. So you, how many years did you do it? And it was like a full on living that you were making from counting cards. Yeah, we did it for just about a year. That's, that's about as long as our run went. And <laughs> yeah, that was our primary source of income. My blackjack partner and I, we were college roommates. We got an apartment off of that money and we were living um, well enough until, I mean, like both of our cars broke down um, literally like I think a week or two before we signed our apartment lease, which was, you know, whatever, fine. We go to a used car dealer and get a, a car, brand new experience for both of us to just sort of get a car completely on our own and work through all that. Uh, a month later, we find out there's like this major problem with the engine and we're 10 grand in the hole for that car. So um, for a lot of different reasons that this, the downswings in our bankroll really hurt us when we uh, soon after had to use it to pay for our living expenses. So we did it for about a year and and then and yeah, it ran its course. Yeah. So had fun for the the year after college, counting cards. I'm sure the parents were happy with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, not so much. Not so much. Uh, but then uh, from there, okay. So then you um, you said you went to DC and and you over time started getting involved, kind of with final financial literacy. And now you are a financial coach for specifically UFC fighters. How how kind of did you get into that? Uh, I say niche. I hear people say niche, but how'd you get into the, into that niche with UFC fighters? Yeah, UFC fighters only fight and get paid maybe two or three times a year. So when I thought about who I wanted to help manage their money, 
UFC fighters were the perfect group of people. That combined with the fact that I had been a fan of the UFC since I was 14 years old, and I'd been training jujitsu pretty seriously. That's the the grappling martial art in MMA. I'd been training that pretty seriously for a couple of years after I graduated college and started four years before that. So I just had this love for the UFC and thought, wow, that's a great group of people to start with. I started putting out content on social media that was, I tried to tailor it to them and eventually reached out to a whole bunch on Instagram. A handful got back and that's how I started working with them. Very interesting. And that's very true. So UFC fighter, or, you know, fighters in general, I guess boxers kind of the same way. You got your two bouts or three bouts. <laughs> you can't fight mm-hmm. that often. Um, and uh, you get a massive check basically, I guess. And for a lot of people, that's where it's hard because say someone gets paid $50,000. Oh, I can do whatever I want. I got $50,000 yeah. in my checking account, but without financial literacy and, and just, you know, a, a little help there, then it can, it can be gone really quickly. And you go back to living to pay, paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. Tons of fighters still live fight to fight. I mean, almost everything for a lot of them, almost every, they spend almost everything by the time their next fight comes around. And it's, it's not necessarily even poor spending habits, like spending on stuff they don't need, but they have debt like anyone else. And they struggle to figure out how much debt should I pay off? Because uh, if I don't pay off debt, then I can have a bit more of a, they can have a bit more of a cushion uh, in case, you know, so many things can happen and for a fight not to go through, they can get injured or sick. Their opponent can get injured or sick, or their opponent misses weight, gets popped for PEDs, performance enhancing drugs. So there's just a lot of, uh, a lot of unpredictability in that game. And so, yeah, it can be tough to really figure out how to manage that money well. Yeah. And those people more than anything need like <laughs> living paycheck to paycheck for them is scary because I mean, you mm-hmm. could have a serious injury and maybe there's stuff within UFC. I don't, I don't know much about UFC, but it, maybe there's stuff that helps them with health insurance. But I mean, a, a lot of things can go bad really fast. And one of my first clients, actually, he got injured right after he got injured in a fight and couldn't fight for, uh, I mean, he just recently fought again, but he, he was off for 18 months. He had to live on this one paycheck for 18 months and he got paid a couple hundred thousand dollars. But, you know, for any average person that if you told them, hey, here's a lump sum of money, make this last in a way that you can pay for your living expenses uh, invest it, pay off your debt, still have some fun, right? You can't just hole up in your house and you know not do anything for a year and a half. You're a human being. So yeah, it's, 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 it's an unpredictable game. Yeah. Very cool. You're going to represent Jake Paul anytime soon. <laughs> uh, he hasn't reached out. I haven't reached out to him, but if he gives me a call, yeah, I'd love to work with him. But yeah. And, and I guess we shouldn't mess with Chris in the streets. You know, you got your jujitsu skills. So don't, yeah, don't I weigh, mess around with Chris. <laughs> I weigh about 145 pounds though. So if you're a lot bigger, uh, you're going to, you're going to do just fine. Beat me up. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, well, yeah, no, that's a really cool background story, uh, that you got there and, uh, you're only what, how old are you now? 28, uh, 28. 28 yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. 28. So yes, I've done a lot while you're young and, uh, yeah, look, looks like you're on a pretty cool path. Here And so I wanted to kind of talk about gambling versus investing as a topic, because you definitely have experience being in, you know, a casino where there is gambling and a lot of young people or people starting to get into investing. They may say they're investing, but really, are you more gambling than investing? So I think that's a really cool topic to talk about and kind of focus on here. So how would you tell someone what the difference is between 
investing and gambling? I'll say this first, that the biggest mistake people make is that they assume that the difference between investing and gambling is determined by what they're actually buying or what they're placing a bet on. And it's not about the thing that you are buying or the vehicle itself. It's about your personal knowledge and the way that you are managing a bankroll. So for example, people think, like you said, that if they buy, if they buy a stock that they are now automatically investing, that's just not true. Mm-hmm. Um, because you have, if you have two different individuals, one really does their due diligence, understands the company, the industry, and their portfolio and how, how, that, and how buying that stock factors into their portfolio. And if they are not putting too much of their entire, call it your bankroll or, or portfolio into this one stock, then you're probably investing. Whereas you take someone else who hears that Tesla, I just read today on Robinhood Snacks, that it jumped 13% yesterday, I think. And people like to buy as something is, is going up and they might, and it's a hot, it's a hot stock. It's a hot company. So mm-hmm. when they just see that and, and decide, oh, I'm going to go buy a share of Tesla, they're that's gambling in my opinion. Yeah. Not, not super educated, just kind of jumping in because they see the news. And I like to, I, I honestly think people with cryptocurrency or the stock market, mm-hmm. just with how quickly you can get in and out. To me, it's like a casino for a lot of people because yeah. you're, I, I did a little TikTok video a few months ago on why I'm not investing in, Do- in Dogecoin, but uh-huh. everyone on social media, Dogecoin's <laughs> going to the moon, Dogecoin's <laughs> going to this and that. And uh, it's really just the way people were putting their money into it to me, it was like no different than putting money in a slot machine. You know, yeah. it, it was more gambling than investing. And so that's definitely something I'm seeing a lot of younger people do or people on social media. Absolutely. I see the same. I hear even, even I see fighters promoting crypto and, and stuff on their social. And again, the crypto inherently is not a, is not inherently a gamble or an investment. But if you mm-hmm. take a, a, if you consciously decide what percentage of your investment portfolio that you want to use to buy crypto, and you've decided that you want to let it sit because you believe in its underlying uses or for whatever reasons you might have. Okay. That's that if you're approaching it in that way and it doesn't work out for you in the next 10, 20, 30 years, whatever it might be. Yeah. Maybe it's, you can call it a bad investment, but if you're just, Hey, you know, crypto's on the rise, it's going to go to the moon. I'm going to throw 50% of my paycheck into that. And maybe you sell it you know, a year later because it's not doing what you thought it would. That's a gamble, you know, no doubt about it. And for me, I don't like to invest in something I don't really understand. And so for me, and I don't have to, under, I don't have to be like the Bitcoin genius. I just need to get the understanding, okay, what's a blockchain? How do I properly invest in it? For me, I'm going to dollar cost average. Uh, how do I properly protect? Because people need to know with cryptocurrency, there are so many scammers out there uh, because it's so new. And so if you don't know how to protect it, I mean, you could lose it very quickly. And so for me, I've just learned really the hard way to not invest in something I really don't understand. And crypto is a great example. Like you said, you said a lot of people are investing in crypto or sponsoring cryptos. What is the intent of that crypto? Because a lot of them have a use, but something like Dogecoin is just a meme coin where it literally has no function. I mean, you can maybe tip a waitress if they want Dogecoin, <laughs> but it really has no function outside of, hey, this is a meme coin. Let's all try to get rich and pump and dump it, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. The moment, the moment that the masses decide that it's not, I mean, that I suppose is true for lots of things or lots of different currencies. Um, but yeah, I mean, the moment that people decide that Doge is just you know, a piece of junk, then it's, it's, it's going to crash. Where are other examples? Are you seeing it mainly in crypto where people are kind of, you would say gambling instead of investing? I see it in stocks all the time because, uh, and it's helpful to look at it from this perspective that most quote professional investors don't actually outperform the S and P 500. Right. And <laughs> so when you look at it in that way and you hear that someone is buying and selling individual stocks, not, not just buying it and holding it for the next 10, 20 years because they really believe in the company, but because they think it's undervalued. And as soon as they think maybe it's, and, and it doesn't even get that deep, but with, with stocks, I see it all the time. When you think about it from the fact that professional investors by and large are not outperforming the market, and then you take a, a regular old, you know, whether it's a fighter or just someone working a regular job, I, like what makes you think that you're going to outperform the market if professionals who are treating this, you know, studying this eight, 10 hours a day, every day are mm-hmm. by and large not outperforming the market? Why, why would you? Yeah. Investing can be a lot easier than people make it. Mm-hmm. I think the problem is it goes with gambling, but I think a lot of people are really just, they're not trying to invest. They're trying to get rich quick, which is mm-hmm. what people try to do at a casino. You put a couple pennies in, you put a few dollars in and you hope to make a million dollars. But in reality, that's just not, that's rarely going to be the case. And it's the same thing if you're going to the casino table with the stock market or the, or cryptocurrency. And so I, I, that's why I think a lot of people are doing wrong is they're trying to get rich quick. And you mentioned rather than have a 10 year, 20 year plan, then maybe you want to be financial, financially free quicker than that. That's fine too. have a five year plan, but um, you're not trying to get rich and be done working forever in the next six months when you really don't even know that much about X, Y, Z that you're trying to invest in. Yeah. And, and so I'll also say that the perhaps the simplest way to actually invest your money with a decent return is to invest in an index fund, whether that's tracking the global stock market, the US stock market, just the S&P 500. It really doesn't have to be more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. So as I discuss investing versus gambling, it's I, I love talking about it. And it's really interesting to sort of dissect the two uh, in terms of actionable steps. Yeah. If you just want to buy an S&P 500 ETF, uh, or, or, or mutual fund with a really low expense ratio, that's the fee that you're paying annually for the amount that you have invested, then it, can, it really can be as simple as that. Isn't it, uh, you, you probably know better than me, but isn't it Warren Buffett who is just like, I'll mm-hmm. just keep investing in the S&P 500. Y'all can do what you want, but I'll like, keep investing in the S&P 500 and that's it. And then you know it'll keep going above and beyond what y'all are trying to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as far as I understand it, he has, I mean, obviously he's made some phenomenal investments over his career that have uh that, that are purchases of individual companies, you know, shares of, of individual companies. Yeah, yeah. But he's saying, look, you you guys can't do what I do. I mean, he's being more polite about it, but he's like, there's a lot, of, you are probably not going to be able to do what I have done. And, and he's challenged hedge funds to, to this sort of competition. He says over, a, I think, a 10-year period, he's done this at, at least once, uh, where he said, look, I'll give you a million bucks if you can outperform the S&P 500. And, um, hmm. and, and, and they failed. I, I also think that he has instructed the folks who are going to take over Berkshire Hathaway to invest 90% of the money into the S&P 500, I believe. 
that that just goes to show you from one of the most successful investors of our age and one of the most successful investors of all time, he's saying, look, just invest in the S&P 500. Yeah. How would, how would you tell someone to, um, I mean, obviously there's ways to tell people, you know, you're a financial coach. So you, you got UFC fighters. Hey, I got a hundred thousand dollars. What should I do? And you give them a, a plan, but for someone wanting to learn kind of how to invest on their own, rather than just say invest in S&P 500 or index funds, what would you challenge someone to do? Um, whether it's in the court, you know, financial literacy or looking in a certain area or just focusing here, what would you tell someone to do if they're really just wanting to learn how to properly invest for call it a 10 year plan? So I would start with a book called The Simple Path to Wealth. And I don't know if I've ever recommended a book before that I haven't read. It's on my reading list. And I just know that it is people champion it for the way that the author talks about index investing. So it's it's on my reading list, but I'm and I'm I will absolutely learn stuff from it, but I just haven't because it's something that I'm familiar with. Uh, so the simple path to wealth, I, I think, is a great place to start. And I, it's funny that you, yeah, like rather than just taking my word for it, which you shouldn't, because this is something that I've thought of. If you were to do that in a, in a way, you're actually gambling your money because you don't actually know what you are. If you don't really right. know what the S&P 500 is, what the risks are, I mean, because it doesn't grow 10% every single year. That's a long-term mm-hmm. average that that we hear. We hear that 10% tossed around, you know, in, in uh, Mar- between March, sometime in March la- uh, during, you know, when COVID hit, the right. market dropped like 30%. Yep. So if you didn't really understand the risks and that, oh, if I just keep my money in here, it will, it should go up. You might've sold, lost a whole bunch of money. So I, I think that'd be a great place to start. Um, you know who's really great on uh, Instagram is Jeremy Schneider. He runs a, a page called Personal Finance Club. I love okay. his stuff. So that would be another great person to follow. Yeah. Okay. Just, yeah, that, that's what I'd say. Just start educating yourself one way or another. I mean, there's so much stuff out there where I know it's tough for people because there's so much stuff out there. And a lot of it is promoting, hey, you can make 100K in this amount of time in six months. And to me, that's not what you should be buying. That's not what you should be focusing on. You should be learning the basics. And that's kind of why I have this podcast because, you know, I had an episode of, uh, I guess, a month ago where, you know, we talked, what is the S&P 500? What is an index fund? Because those are things you just aren't taught in high school. Um, and so then you get out of high school and you get out of college, you start to invest and you're like, Oh, I wear Nike. So I'll invest in Nike. There I like Elon Musk. I'll invest in Tesla. And none of those are great reasons to really invest your money. I mean, that is your hard earned money that you are investing. And so, uh, I don't like to gamble with, with my money to me, that's gambling. And I would rather invest it because I'm trying to get wealthy over time. Yeah, absolutely. And if you really are hurting for money right now and you're trying to make more money now, the best way to do that is to learn how to do it through your your skills. Because if you can charge more in the market for your time, people love to say, oh, you know, the rich don't work for money. And I, I love rich dad, poor dad. I, I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it should be confused with the fact that if you can invest in yourself and learn how to make more money really doing work that you enjoy, uh, that is going to provide tremendous benefit, especially in the short term. I mean, it might take a little while to get good at something and learn how to market yourself or get that raise at your job, whatever it might be. But if you're really hurting for money, you know, even like the S&P 500, just for context, on average, it grows about 10% a year. 
But if you only have a, a couple thousand dollars, 10% a year is, is not going to help you very much. Right. And, and it's so uh, investing should not be your first focus if you're really hurting for money today. I think you should learn how to, how to you know, develop your skills. That's a good point. A lot of people are so focused on just having passive income. You can't really have passive income until you get some active income first. Yes. And a lot of young people just want the passive income. They want their money to work for them, which I, that's great. But like you said, whether it's through a business that you're starting or you know, maybe you can find a better job that pays more. Maybe you can get more on commissions. I don't know how you do it, but it starts with having active income to become financially free. And I'll say one more thing on that is Ramit Sethi. Uh, he wrote, I will teach you to be rich. And he spends a great, uh, he, he talks a lot about increasing your income, whether you want to start your own business or get a raise at your job. And so following him on, on social accounts, reading his book, I think it could help as well. Yeah, a lot of good stuff we've talked about here. And uh, kind of before we end this topic, I, I, I was thinking of something that just for young people, and you probably see it too, a lot of people don't realize it, but they're trying to become traders inside of a market rather than investors. And I think that goes with the investing versus gambling because they, many young people, what I am seeing is they don't want to invest something for 10 15 years, which is fine. Maybe you want to be in something for 10, 15 years that brings cash flow. I totally get that's what I want. Um, that's why I like real estate. But you see a lot of people uh, that are trying to get in at the bottom and sell when it's high. And they don't realize that's really kind of a full-time job. And if you want to do that, go for it. But that takes a lot of studying, uh, looking at cycles. Um, and, and I mean, it, it is a second full-time job if you're trying to do that. And so that's what I see a lot of people doing. They're trying to become traders rather than uh, investors. And so investors are playing a long-term game. They're not, you know, like you said, S&P 500, it's 10% every year on average, but there's years where it's much less than that. And that's where it averages out over time. And so you don't want to be someone that selling when it's going down during COVID or whatever it is, you just got to be uh, very conscious of that and make sure your goals are aligned with how you're investing. Yeah. It's, it's also exciting to start trading stocks because you've, you've heard that you can make money in the stock market. You've heard that if you can, you, you're maybe starting to become aware that if you can buy a stock for a hundred bucks and sell it for 125 and you can do that with 10 shares, well, now you're up 250 bucks. So like the, the, it's exciting. And people think that's the way to make money in the stock market, especially when you're starting out. I remember when I opened my first brokerage account, I was 18 years old, opened an account with TD Ameritrade, and I got two free months of commission-free trading. And I'm laughing now because Robinhood and, and most competitive brokers all, all offer commission-free trading now. But I, which means that back in the day, uh, I was paying $10 to buy uh, every buy order I place and $10 for every sell order I place. So if I didn't profit $20 on that trade, I was down just on commission costs alone. Mm -hmm. uh, and before that, it was 20 bucks, 30 bucks, 40, 50 bucks. You know, it's, it's finally now it's, it's commission free. But uh, I did the same thing. When I first got into it, I thought, oh, wow, this is exciting. I can make some money doing this. And over time, through reading, studying folks that just are, are a heck of a lot smarter than I, ha than I am, um, just learning that, go, go Google it yourself. You know, the, the most professional investors, ask Google, do most professional investors outperform the S&P 500? And the answer is no, right. the vast majority of them don't. So yeah, I, I, 
I totally understand why, but the reality is that it's, it's not very likely for, yeah. for you to make money day trading. Yeah. Well, I think it's super cool what you're doing. I think there's definitely a need for, um, you know, you're specifically with UFC fighters. And I just think with athletes in general, I mean, those are a lot of young people just out of college, or maybe they didn't even finish college or do college um, that really, I mean, more or less hit the lottery. And until you have financial literacy, you can make a million dollars, but it'll be gone before you know it without financial literacy and some wealth planning. And so I think it's great what you're doing there. You know, as we kind of come to an end here, what do you, what do you credit for your success? I've had this underlying drive to have my own freedom and live a life that I really enjoy, which is a very first world ambition, like a possibility for an ambition. Mm -hmm. So I'm very thankful that I've had uh, full stomach, clean running water, warm clothes, roof over my head, that sort of thing. But I just from as long as I can remember, I've had this just unflinching drive to, to pursue a life that I really enjoyed and particularly, particularly one where I had uh, the degree of freedom in my time and my location. It's to a point where there's no compromise. Like I, it would just be soul crushing to, to sort of give up that pursuit. So uh, the, the initial drive is what has sort of allowed me to take each step forward. And then of course, educating myself, you know, I'm, I've never liked reading when I was in school, but once I picked up a couple nonfiction books that really helped me take actionable steps in my life and that actually improved my life. Then I started to enjoy reading and now I love reading. So uh, there, there's, there's a couple things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So start with a drive and then, yeah, you started to get a vision and started reading one way or another and started educating yourself. And now you enjoy it so much that you want to help others and kind of do the same. So really cool for sure. Um, and I know before, you know, we were talking, you mentioned you love to ask questions and you're even thinking about doing a podcast yourself. Uh, uh, before our call, we were talking about that. So just out of curiosity, what questions might you have for me? Yeah. Well, f- the first thing I love to ask anyone in this sort of dialogue is just, you know, what are you working on at the moment? So for me, we are, 2022 is going to be an exciting year. We got a couple businesses that we are, we officially launched like in December, we said to our, um, uh, attorney to create an LLC and have it set to start on January 1st, just for tax purposes. Oh, cool. So we got those launching and what we do is Airbnbs. And so we're really looking to scale that. So we're hoping to have 20 by the end of the year. That's wow. our goal. Uh, and then on the side, I'm helping raise capital on an apartment complex in Georgia. So that's supposed to close in January. So got a couple little things going on here, but we are super excited for 2022 my brother and I were kind of partners. So we've been digging roots for the past couple of years here and uh, hopefully we can scale a little bit this year. I love that. Yeah. And I heard in one of your recent episodes, maybe it was the most recent that you recommended partnering up with someone to get in real Mm -hmm. estate. And I I thought that was awesome to hear because uh, yeah, for sure. People look at maybe the down payment on on a real estate or uh, all, all of the the, cost the confusion, or... the cost, the attorney, like all of that stuff, um, it just can be overwhelming. And yeah, I, I, I can see how partnering up would be a great yeah. choice. There, yeah, There's creative ways to get into real estate and you don't have to do it all yourself is really the main thing to know. I mean, um, yeah, I couldn't have gotten any of these properties last year without my brother tag teaming on it because I wouldn't have been able to qualify on my own. And so just from studying and digging roots and listening to podcasts, I started to learn about that when I had never thought about that before. And so 
is very interesting and it started to make sense. And I was like, oh, that's what they do on Shark Tank. <laughs> you know, and they want to scale. So they go ask people for money and they get uh, equity and a portion of the pie as well. So, so yeah, it, it's fun. But anyways, um, yeah, we, we, we can definitely continue to connect uh, outside of this call. Definitely fun hanging out. But to close here, how can people find you? How can they connect with you if they want to reach out? Sure. So the easiest way to get a hold of me is to shoot me a text, 240-630-0568. And either uh, myself or someone on my team will get back to you. And then if you'd like to just sort of follow me on my journey, I'm, I'm trying to make better social content. It was so mm-hmm. boring when I first started uh, a little over a year ago. So if you want to sort of follow me along uh, on that journey, Chris Allen, Hannah, no H at the end of that, Hannah, that's my tag on pretty much everything. All right, great. I'm writing those down. We'll have those in the show notes for sure. So people uh, can definitely follow you and reach out. And that's pretty cool. You're giving your cell phone out there. So yeah, y'all feel free to hit up Chris. Awesome guy. So yeah, Chris, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks so much, Stuart. Yeah, it's been a pleasure to, to speak with you and to be on your show. Thank you for listening to this episode of Money Vision U. If this is something that added value to you, then please subscribe, leave a review, and share. We are passionate about teaching financial literacy so you can learn to take control of your financial future. If you want to learn more, then follow us on social media platforms at MoneyVisionU. We look forward to catching you in the next class.